At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 394 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, my buddy, Chris Garber. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing well, Chad. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to have you. Topic number one, Bengal Steelers this Sunday. What should we expect of Joe Burrow? I pass this one to you, Eleanor Clift. Ah, love it. Love it. Uh, I, I just remember that show um, in the context of Cheers probably more than anything else, but... Uh, Wrong! I think was probably the thing I'm supposed to say there. <laughs> exactly. If you know what that reference is, uh, the Saturday Night Live uh, version of it was what uh, I think of the most. Um, so anyway, uh, what do you expect for Joe Burrow this weekend? Joe Burrow's uh, clearly showing some after effects of his injury, which is certainly to be expected. But the Bengals' offensive line is con- is going to continue to struggle, so that which means Coach Zach Taylor really needs to think about his offensive game plan and ways to... Uh, put Joe Burrow in positions where his lack of mobility is not going to cause too much trouble against the dangerous Pittsburgh Steelers pass rush. Do they need to show a little bit of urgency to protect Burrow? Uh, I don't know. A sense of urgency is always welcome, of course, but uh, they just need to be better at football. I've never seen a sense of urgency from a Cincinnati sports team. Mm, fair. All right, let's tra- let's transition. Ugh. I don't want to, but let's let's do it. Your Cincinnati Reds. Of course, um, mine. <laughs> they're certainly not mine. That's um, a billion-dollar asset for someone, but not Bob me. Bob Castellini, Cincinnati Reds. I it, think that's how it should be. It should be. Kind of like, uh, what was it, Black Angus Steakhouse had somebody's name, like Stuart, Stuart Smith's Black Angus Steakhouse. <laughs> I'm not going to eat at Stuart Smith's Black Angus Steakhouse. So the Reds have lost uh, eight of their last 12 games. We were recording this on Thursday night. They do play the uh, Washington Nationals, but which is good because the schedule is about to get easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That easy schedule is really paying off. <laughs> the Reds finally snapped their streak of eight consecutive series lost in the middle of their first playoff race in about a decade. But of course, they only did that because the last game against the Pirates got rained out, so they had to settle for a split of the series after losing the, the final game against, against Pittsburgh. Um, the Reds now are five games out of the wild card with 10 to play. The Reds' record is 78-74, and 74, again with 10 games to play. Uh, Chris, uh, what do we make of it? And uh, are the Reds going to finish over 500? I wouldn't put money on it. Not at this point. I, I, I wish I'd remembered. Um, we, I'm sure we talked about this back in the, the spring training time about what our predictions were for the season and so forth. And, and of course I don't listen to this podcast, so I don't know what I said, but I'm guessing it was somewhere around 500 is what, what I predicted. Yeah. So you're going to be right. Yeah, kind of a funny way to get to 500, isn't it? It is. I, I, I believe I was a little above 500, maybe 83 wins, and they may, they may get there as well. If they go uh, 5 and 5, I guess they'll be 83 and 79. But why should we expect them to play 500 when they haven't for a while? Yeah, they were 12 games over and in control in the playoff race with an easy schedule ahead of them. I, I, the only question really is what happened? And do we have an answer to that? I'm not sure we do. I, I don't. I mean... We know one thing that happened was Jesse Winker got hurt, but lots of guys got hurt this year, and the team continued to play more or less, you know, the same way. Lots of teams have guys get hurt, and they don't uh, completely drop off a cliff, but, you know, correlation uh, is that when Jesse Winker went down, the Reds went in the toilet. It's true. It's true. And I think maybe that's when it uh, it all caught up to him, the, the fact that this team was so poorly constructed. They just didn't have it. Because of what happened last offseason, which was nothing, no depth whatsoever. And somehow they, you know, uh, scratched and clawed and we're just going to wait for everybody to get healthy or whatever, um, as Nick Crawl says. But um, finally, just all, when, when you're in September and you're literally in the middle of a playoff chase 
and you're starting uh, Delano De Shields in center field, and uh, Azrubal Cabrera is getting playing time. This is not. I mean, that's just not a playoff it's a team. Joke. It's a joke. <laughs> the whole thing's a joke about how they put the team together, how they supported the team as the season went on. And, and I'm, I'm just really, I'm really frustrated now. Like I've kind of laughed it off and truthfully, I've tuned the Reds out for the last month. I've, I'm, I'm on to football at this point mentally, but listening to Nick crawls, whatever it was yesterday when, when they kind of like half-heartedly announced David Bell's contract extension I don't know if there's anybody in Cincinnati sports who has, and, and I'm sure he's a nice guy, but who is, infuriates me as quickly as Nick Crawl does. <laughs> and it, it's 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 his actions fine. His actions are, I think he's constrained by his employer in almost everything that he does. It's really what he says that drives me absolutely bonkers. It's his like. <laughs> Picks out the like weirdest way to say anything, and like kind of Baghdad Bob's the whole thing too. I I don't know. <laughs> You're right. I, mean, I think I think it was you and I on the on the podcast uh, a month or two ago. We just said he just needs to just not talk. Yeah. Just, just don't talk ever. He he never says the right thing, and, it, and what he does say often is so embarrassingly uh, a lie that and and everyone in the room knows it is. Although no one will, will call him on it. Um. That it's just, uh, why are you even talking? Just like, yeah. I mean, like yesterday, they're like, okay, just on a random Wednesday in September after the team is like completely collapsed, not when they were playing well earlier, but when the team is completely collapsed, they announced this contract extension for the manager. <laughs> and he's like, we talked about this all year. Okay. And then he has this, this line. He's done a great job with the team we have right now. What does that mean? Where did like, that... He... Go ahead. Yeah, like, is... Are they going to have a different team? <laughs> or did he do a poor job with the team they had at some other time in the past? Like, what kind of a weird qualifier and caveat is with the team we have right now? It, it's so funny because, I mean, we know the constraints that he is under. And there's no question about it. But he says that, and I'm like, wait a minute. Whose job is it in this organization to put together this team? It's Nick Crawls, ultimately, yeah, it, right? Yeah, like, it, right. That's another. Is he saying, like, he's done a good job despite the junk I've given him? <laughs> That's what it sounds or like. Or is it, like, is it qualified as the time? Like, he was terrible with Trevor Bauer, but now we think he's fine with with the guys who we have right now? I Just, We made the playoffs last year. We had a good run this year, and we still have a chance. We've got a guy in the spot who knows how to run a major league clubhouse and dugout. And we feel he's the right guy moving forward. Like, could you get less specific and personal about the praise of your manager? <laughs> That's what we're committing to two more seasons of. Right. You know, he, he's, he's capable of walking on two feet generally. And by and large does not belch in the presence of other employee. Like, it's just so weird yeah. the way he, they talk about things. He brushes his hair before he walks through the front office uh, offices. He's generally polite. Mostly. Yeah, generally polite. <laughs> right. Well, that's the news. Let's let's just talk about that a little bit. That's not the news. There's other big news I want I want to rant about, but um, maybe the biggest news. I don't think it's necessarily the biggest news, but most people probably would think it is. Is that the Reds did finally sign David Bell to uh, um, two more years to return as manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Now, um, regardless of Nick Crawls, what I was, I don't, I don't know what you can call uh, his statement about that. I, it is, I, I'm like you, I'm baffled, but just the, the move in general, what are your thoughts about David Bell returning? Eh. That's it, to be, right? To be concise. Eh. <laughs> you, you conveyed more in that, uh, you know, uh, grunt or whatever it was than uh, Nick Crawl conveyed in his entire statement. Um, that was my thought. I mean, is David Bell a good manager? No. I thought he was early on. Um, as we've gotten to know him more, he's not a good manager. He's not a bad manager either. He's, he's, to me, anyway, he's a mediocre manager, and he is very much like m many other managers. 
Um, I've seen way worse in Cincinnati. I don't know that David Bell did anything to deserve being fired. I, I, what can you? I mean, you can point to the moves he made and things like that, but to be fired, given what he had, uh, nah, <laughs> that, that's really it. Um, but the timing of it is weird. Uh, I don't know. Um, nothing to get excited about. But here's here's what here's what I do want to propose. What David Bell now represents is when things go bad next year, and they will go bad. We have our scapegoat. He'll be the first one who's uh, going to get uh, his uh, head on the chopping block when things go bad next year. That'll be, well, we're trying to do something. David Bell's gone. David Bell won't make it through next season. Think? You think they'd fire a guy barely into a contract extension? Well, that, that, I think Crawl's the guy that's going to go. That's real money. I, I don't know. Who's, who, who are they going to get to take that job other than Crawl? I don't know. Is it any other owners have children? <laughs> I'm sensing a Phil Castellini joke there somewhere. Yeah, that's a Gosh. A lot of jokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I do. I think so. I think it's a, it's a buffer uh, between uh, management and uh, and the poor product they're getting ready to put on the field. Um, I know a lot of people wanted David Bell fired, and I, I guess I get it. He's not done a whole lot to deserve the job either. Uh, although we can, I guess, reasonable people can disagree about that. But I don't know. If there's anything to uh, to. Uh, Definitely say he should have been fired either. So now he Bill says, and it was just tweeted out as if this was a done deal. No one uh, questioned this at all. Bill notes that he expects all of his coaching staff to return. And my first thought was, uh, until Derek Johnson signs a contract, no way in the world do I believe that Derek Johnson's yeah. coming back to this why, team. Why would, why would Derek Johnson come back to this team? I mean, look. And I, I'm sure I'm ahead of the agenda here, but go to the it. Kyle Bode, the Kyle Bodie situation. So Kyle Bodie was a very, very highly sought after player development person. He kind of threw his hat into the ring like, I'm going to try to partner with a major league team. And the Reds put on the full court press. This was Dick Williams' Cincinnati Reds. Yes. And they put on the full court press and they got Kyle Bodie to sign. And he signed for less money than two other teams were offering him. Let that be noted. Right. According to him, anyway, I guess, if you trust Kyle Bode. And now he's gone. It just, he's gone. <laughs> a, a year and a half into this project. Well, let's, let's, let's discuss the actual news. Kyle Bode was hired in late 2019 as the team's director of, well, he's a, team's director of pitching now um that's just his title he was basically the, the minor league pitching coordinator and at the same time uh, dick williams hired cj gilman as the minor league hitting coordinator well this week both kind of publicly resigned and put the organization on blast on their way out the door and uh, let me uh, just briefly talk uh, read some of their statements Kyle Bodie, uh, Reds and I mutually agreed to no longer continue our professional relationship. I can't thank Dick Williams and Eric Lee. <laughs> Neither of them are still around. Eric Lee, Eric was, Lee meaning the the yeah the Reds uh, director of player development, I believe it was vice president of player development, yes. who uh, departed the organization in July earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah. to to become a athletic director at a high school. <laughs> Literally. Yes. I don't know what that's about, honestly. Yeah. So he thanks both of them and thanks Derek Johnson and says the Reds are moving in a different direction in many areas of player development. It no longer felt like the best fit for either party. And he talks about the results and they did have incredible results in a very short period of time. But that one sentence before we talk about what Gilman said, the Reds are moving in a different direction in many areas of player development. At the very moment, they started going in the right direction and it was working. You mentioned the word frustrating earlier, but that makes me want to almost just scream at all the time I've wasted following this dysfunctional organization. Why are they going in a different direction? Who knows? Who knows? But Nick Crawl was interviewed this week and had nothing to say about it. <laughs> he had no explanation. He had no uh, what he we, he said some like ridiculous thing. We thank them for their efforts or something, right? right. Like, yeah. yeah. Thank you for your service. You're excused. <laughs> It's yeah, a little, little voir dire joke there. 
Uh, yeah, and it's it's radio silence otherwise from the Reds. It's a, it's just a complete joke. And then C.J. Gilman. Go ahead. Go what's, ahead. The, what's the new philosophy? We don't know. <laughs> Who are the new coordinators? I don't know. Your guess is it's good different. as mine. It's different from the one that's been working. We know that. But that's all we can tell you. Um, now, uh, C.J. Gilman, of course, uh, is the mounting hitting coordinator. With the direction and leadership in place when I was hired having moved on, it's just simply the right direction for me to go personally and for the Reds to go professionally. Um, I believe deep in what we accomplished, numbers stand up on their own. Very proud of that. There are many organizations with hitting and player development beliefs similar to my own, and their fruits are coming to bear at both the minor and major league levels. Yeah. Uh, there's another There's another line you skipped over where he says, where we committed to change, right. the numbers stand up on their own. Yeah. So clearly there wasn't full buy-in to what he wanted to do. Yeah. But yeah, that, that line, there are many organizations with hitting and player development beliefs similar to my own, and their fruits are coming to bear. So, dude, if, <laughs> dude, my phone's open. He says there later in the sign too. Yeah. I mean, these are guys with options. These are guys with alternatives. These are guys who are in demand, whose work is at the f- forefront of innovation in baseball. The Reds were on the cutting edge and for whatever reason, the guys in charge felt they knew better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you analyze this any any differently at all. I mean, it's, you know, again, we, we follow the Reds closer than we follow anyone else, but I don't, you don't see this happening. Teams just leave, player or not players, but, um, you know, employees just leaving and blasting the organization. I mean, this was thinly disguised. I mean, I've heard people try to rationalize reasons, you know, why this could have happened. Well, you know, uh, maybe they didn't like that Kyle Bodie was still taking on opponents at driveline or uh, C.J. Gilman is the guy who drove Jesse Winker to the game the other day when he shouldn't have been playing. I'm like, no, that's complete insanity. And it doesn't it doesn't fit that any of that those would happen on the same day. Exactly. Set aside Eric Lee. So I don't know who's left. I mean, from from what I think you and I have both heard, there are other people. The Reds haven't updated their front office kind of uh, roster online. They still have all the people listed from months ago. It hasn't changed since the beginning of the season. So what I've heard is that there are more more people gone than there used to be. I mean, sorry, than than just these three lower-level people who those guys brought in who were no longer employed by the Reds either. Yeah, I haven't reported it because I can't can't confirm the exact numbers or anything, but I I do know a number of analysts and even support staff um, have quit over the last year. Now, 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 to be fair, have they quit for either dissatisfaction or other reasons, or did the Reds cut those positions, and that could be part of the lack of commitment that, that these guys are talking about. Thank you. That, that's you're absolutely right. I, I said quit and I don't know that they quit. And so I shouldn't report that uh, they've parted ways with the reds. Yeah. For some reason. Um, you know, Sean Pender is the guy now who is promoted to the position of uh, the head of player development. Okay. Sean Pender. Now, what do we know about Sean Pender? Not much, except all the publicly available evidence would seem to indicate that Sean Pender thinks that all these newfangled uh, analytics ain't where it's at. Do tell. Well, I'm just saying. He's the he's the guy that's in charge of the player development. Yeah, but is he the guy who's in charge? Or is he... Like, is he a guy who's... Because he, he was basically leaped over, I believe, at... Right? By, by Eric Lee. By Eric Lee. I, I actually I don't know. That's not. I think Pender was vice president. Lee was senior director. At least when they were promoted three years ago. But right, I, I, Pender's a longtime organizational guy. Yep. And I think he had been. I think he had been. People had been brought in to go on top of him. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but now, I, I don't think we know anything about his philosophy, do we? I think that I am probably. Uh, 
I'm probably projecting too much from the fact that he's still there and being promoted. Given well, I don't think he got promoted, though. I think he did this week. Oh, I didn't see that. I thought that it's just like, I, I, that's at least some kind of sign of action. I thought everything was just like a bunch of vacancies on the, the, the org chart. Well, there are still those, certainly. Um, let me see if I can find here real quick. Um, I don't know. Um, anyway, let me try to contextualize why this is so frustrating to me. And everyone knows this. And if you saw my piece at the Cincinnati Magazine, um, you know where I'm going, basically. But when Dick Williams left, and I think, let me let me start there. Is it Could it be clearer? based on publicly available evidence, why Dick Williams left at this point? We all, we've all been kind of speculating. It's got to be that he saw this coming, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, people with alternatives and options are voting with their feet. Yes. That's far more significant than any statement anyone makes or... Um, any other uh, of, this, of the publicly available evidence. Well, so anyway, Dick Williams leaves, and he leaves the Reds with a mostly decent team, right? A team that this year we've seen has some pretty significant and pretty obvious holes. And he leaves. Now, if the Reds had committed, and by Reds I mean Bob Castellini, um, had committed to, you know, really filling those holes, the Reds are, a, you know, an above-average team. Okay, they're above 500 team, and maybe even in the uh, in the uh, division title hunt. I mean, if you just clear, clear up those holes, maybe get a little more depth. Okay, easier said than done, maybe, but they're a much better team than they are today. And so instead, the Reds, under Castellini's direction, changed course. Okay, no, we're going to stop all this stuff we've been doing to improve the major league team. We're going to just basically tread water from this point, and hopefully it'll be, you know, the Reds, and the Reds almost were enough to get in the playoffs that way. And now I'm seeing it happen in the minor league system. The Reds organization, when Kyle Bodie, and it's not all about Kyle Bodie and Gilman, okay, it was a, it was a huge organizational shift in philosophy under Dick Williams. Um, but they went from the 28th worst farm system to Baseball America to currently the 8th best farm system. And again, what Gilman said, all, their, all the metrics that they, where they tried to change, it was the pitching was uh, under Bodie was just coming, just leaps and bounds over development and pitching from years past. And so now it looks like the Reds finally have a winning strategy when it comes to the minor leagues. And boom, right when it's beginning to bear fruit, just like with the major league club, they are cutting bait. So what what should you know you and I, the, the diehards, what should we what should we make of this? I mean, am I am I being overly dramatic as usual? I guess is my question. No, no, and I, I think look, we can sit here and speculate as to why we think all these different things are happening. I think what what probably is clear uh, is that it's coming from the top. Yes. Um, what what we don't know is if there's a different a difference in philosophy or in funding and commitment. Or both. Right. You know what I mean? Because it, mm-hmm. it may not be there may not be somebody in there still tilting against the, you know, windmills saying uh, I'm just going to go by the eyeball test. Enough of this spin rate stuff. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't think that you know Cam Boniface in there and 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 saying those kind of things and holding the day. I really don't. I think it's probably more likely. Do you remember reading a year or two ago somebody and I don't know if it was Kyle Bodie or somebody else, but somebody kind of. I feel like some, somebody objective was basically saying, like, here's how many analytics guys the Dodgers have. Here's how many analytics guys the Rays have. And then they put the Reds on that list. And the Reds were really surprisingly high on that list. Yes. Do you, I don't remember what the sourcing was. I don't either, but I do remember that, yes. It was like, whoa, the Reds are in the top ten in, in staffing commitment, which isn't the only thing. But, you know, they were putting their money where their mouth was as far as you know, oh, we're not we're not going to spend on the field, but we're going to spend in other ways. You remember that whole that whole story, right? And that was Dick Williams spending that, but maybe maybe true in some ways. Yeah, they weren't yeah. spending on the big league team, but they did put they did they did invest, right? And it it could be as much as 
that investment dried up, which you, if you're Kyle Bodie or you're CJ Gilman, you may see that as a difference in philosophy. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm trying, this is probably yeah. like the most generous view to the Reds because it only says that they're cheap and short-sighted. It doesn't say that they're cheap, short-sighted, and separately stupid. <laughs> Bunch of idiots. Well, oh, right. I think that is maybe a charitable interpretation, but we can't rule it out entirely. From uh, Bodie's perspective, I'll just say what he said. And again, he's, you know, like all of us, he's going to uh, maybe uh, make himself try to make himself look as good as possible. I don't know. Um, but he said it was an irreconcilable difference in vision leading to mutual separation. Uh, the new regime disagrees with my approach, and I disagree with theirs. So here we are. Now, yeah, it could just be the new regime disagrees with my approach and where, because they won't fund my approach. It could be that. But they disagree with my approach, and I disagree with theirs. So what is their approach? I'm not funding it? Maybe. But uh, I think yeah, that's I, fair. I think it's a little of, a little of all of it's my guess. I think that's fair. I think when you read that statement, that's only Nick Crawl. Because <laughs> Sean Pender was there before Kyle Bodie. Yeah, but do we right? But he he wasn't hired as a result of the Reds deciding to, and neither was Nick Crawl. The Reds deciding to overhaul player development. They kept him on because the Reds don't fire anyone. They just you know fell upwards. Um, gosh, but what gets me is that from the from the end of the twenty twenty season when Williams left, less than a year now. The way I put it uh, in my my column. Ownership, Reds ownership has proceeded to dismantle nearly every single thing in less than a year that made me excited about the future of this team. And there's plenty of things to be excited about. Minor league system trending upwards, player development getting results they never had, and the big league team being competitive this year, even into September. Um, and so Bob Castellani completely dismantled all of all of that. And I just the Reds. I'm I, I feel comfortable saying this at this time. The Reds will never, ever be competitive again as long as Bob Castellini. I shouldn't say just Bob because Phil is sticking his nose in where it doesn't belong as well. As long as the Castellinis are in charge, then there's, I can't see, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get people to listen to this podcast. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to tell you all the, we're going to keep talking about it, I guess. We'll see. But um, there's no reason to be uh, optimistic. Uh, please tell me I'm wrong. No. Sorry, you got it 100% right. Oh, don't do that to me. I mean, I get, here's, here's you want to be optimistic? Sure. Here's one uh, bit of good news that came out of the David Bell um, hiring. Barry Larkin will not be the Reds manager, at least to start next season. <laughs> yeah, that is good news. I don't have any uh, expectation that Larkin's going to be a very good manager. Um and, and, and Larkin's probably smart enough not to want to jump on this sinking ship anyway, don't you think? See, that's what I said. You know, someone was like, oh, Larkin is going to finagle his way into the manager. There's one thing, you know, Barry Larkin's a really, really smart guy. And I think he probably thinks he would be a good manager. But Barry Larkin is is not going to ever be left holding the bag. Yeah, yeah. he's And he's, that's... Yeah. Go ahead. And that's what taking this job would be. Yep. As long as the, the Castellinis are running the show, and hey, they you know they were um, smart enough to have a great a grandfather who owned a vegetable stand a hundred years ago, and so they deserve to be able to do whatever they want with this team. It's their team. They earned it. They earned it. Well, I mean. They built that stadium downtown with their own money. Right. And really, with their own hands. I remember seeing them down there, actually. Mostly. Yeah. yeah mostly. Uh. So, you know, you got to hand it to them. Literally. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, what, what's they've, the... said, they've said that winning is the goal and anything else is unacceptable, which I'm satisfied. <laughs> Saying those words was all I wanted to hear. Can I say you do not, under any circumstances, have to give it to the Castellinis? Uh, or uh, uh, who was that tweet about? I don't know. ISIS or ISIS. <laughs> uh, the Castellinis and ISIS. They are, um, well, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've spent uh, 16 years now since they made that statement about we're going to win. 
uh, meddling in baseball operations. 100%. 100%. There's no question. They've been meddling from day one or uh, refusing to spend on the team. And so, I, you know, I, I do this occasionally because I'm a glutton for punishment. And I go back and look at those promises. You know, I talk about them all the time, those promises that, that Castellini uh, made when uh, he took over the team. And this is the, this is the sentence that just galled me beyond belief this time. It's something different every time because there's so much. Uh, it's it's so, such a rich statement. Um, we know this team truly belongs to you. And we understand what the Reds mean to our city and our region. We know what a winning team can do for a city's pride. We also understand the unique legacy the Reds hold in baseball history and the potential to reignite an American love affair with the nation's first professional baseball team. Ah, They've acted exactly with that as their mission statement for the last 16 years, and they have reignited an American love affair with not watching baseball. It's frustrating. Sell the Reds, Bob. That's, That's the only way out of this mess. Am I being? I feel like I'm always over dramatic, but I don't think there's any way out of this mess without Castellini selling the team. Do you? I mean, I don't see how it changes. No, I mean they've they've had the opportunity to do things a different way, and it always kind of snaps back to the same place. It's almost like Bob Castellini lied to us, Chris. Uh, if he lied to if he lied to us, he lied to himself. I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't. This is this is not intentional. Well, this it's, part might be this uh, not spending. Yeah, yeah. That's that. I never understand that. I really don't. I, I don't understand. It's not my money, but if I had that much money, I would spend it. Yeah, and again, it's uh, we say it all the time. He spends uh, money, but but, but what you were, where you were going, I, I think maybe was just that you know they really did want to win, and that's why he kept sticking his nose in because uh, he he thought I've been such a success in life. Well, they say born on third base uh, and uh, thought he hit a, thought he hit a triple. Yeah, um, and I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe it was a, a, a tomato stand when he took it over. But see, that can't be that because there's always money in the tomato stand. I think, right? <laughs> no. Bananas. Oh, bananas, right. We've already had banana money. <laughs> we did have the banana money. That didn't work out so well either, did it? Mm-mm. Oh, did you ever think that Bob Castellini would end up being a worse owner, worse owner than uh, than Carl Lindner? He wasn't. He's not. Uh, really? He's not. He's not worse. I mean, did they win anything when Lindner was an owner? Uh, th- the last I checked, Lindner ha- Lindner's Reds had a better winning percentage than uh, Castellini's Reds. Well, they had fewer playoff appearances, though, at least. Yeah, that's true. The Reds did have some brief playoff appearances a decade ago. Um, hey, uh, David Bell's coming back. That'll be fine. Who else is coming back next year? It's uh, a good question. Who is? <laughs> Nick Cassianos is not. I'm, I'm not breaking news there. I'm just that's my, that's my expectation. Um, and I'm not sure. You know, uh, Sonny Gray. One year left on his contract, I think. Trade, trade, uh, trade bait. What do you do with What do you do with this team? Uh, you tear it down. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, that's a good question. What do you do I, if you're not going to commit to improving the team, and you're going to lose one of your two all stars from this year, and you're going to have a Joey Votto, I know you're older, and you got Mike Mustakas, who I don't know. Um, so, He's Mike Moussakis, and Eugenio Suarez is hitting better in September, but who knows? I mean, I think I think they'll probably tear it down. That's that's what I think. Eh, maybe not. Do, I don't know. I, I, Why? I I don't know what I'd do with it. I mean, you've got a bunch of pieces that don't fit together anymore. I, you know, you know what you know what they'll do. They'll they'll tell themselves that that uh, Suarez's September is what his new level. They will say that Mustakas just needs to get healthy. Yeah, no one's going to get hurt next year. We're going to get healthy. We got we got Nick Senzel coming back. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's what uh, you I know. think. You're right. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. And then you got your your young pitchers who, uh, assuming they prove everything they need to prove at AAA. <laughs> well, that is one thing. We do have a, a few kids that are going to be ready soon. Maybe if they let them. I, mean, I don't know where you're going to play Jose Barrero. 
if, I mean, I guess center field, but if Nixon sells back, can you do that? Because the Reds have their shortstop. I think it's yeah, pretty clear. Yeah, we got Kyle for that. 30-year-old Kyle Farmer. 31-year-old Kyle Farmer, sorry. Yeah. I mean, this team got handed. They got handed some gifts, truthfully. One, Jonathan India. Two, Joey Votto's season. Three, for, frankly, Kyle Farmer. Yeah. Being, like, not terrible when they needed somebody to be not terrible at shortstop. They got things they expected out of Winker and Castellanos and Stevenson. Um, Tyler Naquin, another gift that they were handed. And they couldn't get it done. <sighs> Obviously, the problem was, in my opinion, the problem was 99% the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Cause the offense was among the best until here at the end of the season when things were going awry. Offense Starting has been fine. Was fine. Mm-hmm. Starting pitching was fine. It's yeah. the the aspect of the team that they put zero. No, I take it back. Yeah, you can take it back. They they took they put effort. They did put effort in. Right. The effort was into making it worse on purpose. <laughs> Literally, because of dollars. Oh, I don't know. It's frustrating, man. Uh, why am I the only one? I mean, I'm a, I'm a moron. Why am I the only one who is calling the Castellini and Reds management on any of this? Are you seeing it in print anywhere else or, or anywhere? No, no. Why is that? Is, I mean, is Cincinnati just that, that kind of town and that's just the way it is? Yeah. Well, I'm thankful yeah. that my editors at the Cincinnati Magazine don't mind tweaking Castellini. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, is it, is it, who, whose role is it to do that? You know, I, I, it's, it's, to, to be fair, it's not the role of a, of a, of a beat writer. No, right. Yeah. It's not a TV reporter, you know, half, half the, half the folks who were in the, the clubhouse covering the team work for the team in some capacity or another. So it's, they're not going to do it. I mean, it's really, it's really fans and, and maybe a columnist or two. Well, you know, I mean, who columnist, I guess, is just Doherty. Doherty, you know, a talk radio agitator, but most of the talk radio agitators work for the company that broadcasts the games. Yep. So it's it's not set up to be, you know, real critical of ownership around there. Exactly. Well, and I, I don't mean to say just me, because I know, you know, Red Ignatian, Red Reporter, those guys are certainly uh, doing the same things, but... Uh, uh, you make an important point that I feel like I always need to point out to people, which is that it's not, uh, it's literally the opposite of Mark Sheldon's job. He works for Major League Baseball. It's not the beat writers. They're, you know, they're reporters and you want them to ask tougher questions. Yes, I get that. Um, but they, their job depends on access to those players, you know, that locker room and, or that clubhouse. And so yeah, it's really not It's the job of, uh, of a columnist. And we don't have, uh, certainly in the, the, the larger media in Cincinnati, we just don't have anybody that's willing to do that. Um, so subscribe to Cincinnati Magazine. That's what I'm telling you. All right. Um, you know, other news of the week. Uh, we can get into it. Darmoretta finally up. I don't know. Some guys on the injured list. Some guys on the come back from the injured list. Uh, you know, Naquin's out for the year. Mustakas probably is. Uh, whatever. Let's answer some questions. Fire away. I don't know how much time we've got to answer some, but let's answer as many as we can. All right. Let's see here. Mike Perry, these questions, of course, come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support the world's most dangerous podcast. Mike Perry, I have just one question. What is going on with the Reds? We've been already, we, we've been answering that one. So <laughs> I wanted to, we, we got that answer out of the way before your question, Mike. Uh, Scott Boldman, after starting the season six and one, the Reds are 72 and 73 cents. Is this who we thought they were? Yeah, probably, right? Yeah, it, it ends up being there. They're 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 in a different way than I kind of thought, but yeah, I, I honestly didn't think the bullpen would be bad. I I to be fair, I've kind of been of the belief for a long time that you really don't have to try that hard, or don't have to spend money anyway to build a bullpen. But uh, I think you do have to try. Right, doesn't necessarily have to be an expensive bullpen, although. That was the reason the Reds cut bait on 
two perfectly cromulent relievers. But you got to at least make an effort. And, and you know, gosh, I saw uh, Doherty just this week. Same thing as our, our buddy John Fay giving uh, Nick Crawl credit uh, and and David Bell for, uh, you know, turning Brad Brock and Heath Hembry into useful pieces. Come on, literally. That's come on. <laughs> I mean, those guys did not have good seasons. Well, Heath Hembry's ERA have... was only six point three eight. They did not have useful seasons. They did not be. They were not turned into anything. Brad Brock's thirty-five years old, and he had a six-point-three ERA. I mean, like God bless him, he's had a decent major league career. Yeah, it's just that he's he's not able to. Um, he didn't get it done, and no, that's nobody's doing. I, I disagree with you. I think you got to give uh, Nick Crawl credit. Charles Zollers has been 11,218 days since the Bengals won a playoff game and 9,484 days since the Reds won a playoff series. At this point, do I just get angry with my parents for having me born in one of the worst <laughs> sports towns of the last two, three decades, a.k.a. my childhood? Oh, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a kid, Charlie is, and bless you, man. Is there a worse professional sports town? I don't know. You know, there's a lot of people who can who can feel sorry for themselves. Um, you know, Cleveland's not in any great shakes. Let's just move on to, uh, the, and I don't, don't know if we're going to get all of them, but let's get to the next one we can. Um, Chuck Nichols, happy Thursday, Chad and Chris. After listening to last week's pod, completely agree with you. I do have one question. Have either of you two followed another MLB team to evaluate the differences between how the Reds organization is managed and how a successful MLB team is managed? I personally have little free time, so uh, don't brag, Chuck. So only follow the Reds. It's also obvious their management style does not work. Thoughts. Um, you know, and, and the reason why I just want, again, I, we, we don't closely follow other major teams. You can obviously tell that the Tampa Bay Rays do things differently and, and better than, than the Reds. Uh, same with the Oakland A's in general um, and other teams. But what I wanted to say is the most frustrating part of the Reds' collapse is the stupid Cardinals have won 12 games in a row, and they're going to win the stupid World Series. <laughs> that, that makes it even worse that the Cardinals are the team that I, stole the oh, from the Reds. I don't. I mean, the good news is I won't have to spend all that time watching the postseason if the, if the Cardinals are in it. I will not. Will yeah. not bear that 2006 season damaged me in a way that I don't think I can ever recover from that 2006 postseason. Yeah, well, and that was the season where the Reds were kind of in it for a little while, or we at least deluded mm -hmm. ourselves into thinking they were yeah. in it. And, right. And then the Cardinals go on the big run and win the World Series after being a wild card team. Yeah. I, I mean, not, most teams aren't perfect, to be sure. Yeah. Um, You know, the Rays do a great job. The Dodgers do a great job and have more money than anybody. <laughs> Makes it tough. But, you know, I mean, Cub fans are pretty frustrated right now, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I feel like I also need to point out that I, I've gone a long way uh, over the last year in praising Dick Williams and how he got this organization where it was. But it wasn't like Dick Williams was infallible. You know, he was still an, an owner's son who made some mistakes. There's no question about it. He did get some of the big things right. They got the Reds on the verge of being competitive. But every team makes makes some mistakes. But, you know, a team like the Rays has less margin for error than just about any other team because their owners won't – no, nobody comes to the games, first of all, and then – uh, their owners won't spend money, and uh, and yet they still figure out how to compete every single year almost. So some teams are just better. The Reds are among the very, very worst. Uh, at least for the last 30 years, the Reds have been among the very, very worst in terms of running the team. And it's not going to change unless you believe in Nick Crawl, and he'll, give you, he'll tell you why things are going to be better. I look forward to hearing that. You uh, know, uh, the Cardinals, I hate to go back to this, but... <laughs> the Joe Posnanski's newsletter today, he pointed out that the Cardinals for like the last 10 years had a different wins above replacement leader every single year. Wow. They just keep pulling guys out of nowhere or somewhere to, you know, like, oh gosh, Paul Goldschmidt happened to be on our team, you know, but then it's like Tommy Pham and... Matt Carpenter and Molina and like all these different guys every year. They Tyler O'Neill now. Yeah. And what's that? Well, at the risk of, you know, complimenting the Cardinals, 
they just have a stronger organization, top to bottom. And this isn't news to anyone, but they just do. I hate them. I hate that organization. But they, they're well run and have been for many years. Um, who's the, who, who owns the Cardinals? Um, is it uh, DeWitt? Of DeWitt, of Dewey's Pizza fame? Still? Still owns the Cardinals? Really? I, I don't think know. So. Oh, wow. You never hear anything from them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Seth Shaner, glad to have you do the show this week. I was struck last night with the fact that I have little hope for the rest of the season. And then we go into the long winter of desolation. How will I pass the time? I'll pick up chess, maybe. Chris is in football mode, right? Video games. Video games. Man, I don't... Uh, What else? Reading. Oh, lots to read out there. Read the Big 50, the many moments that uh, made the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, it's still as timely as it was when it was released. Yeah, apparently, it's it's uh, evergreen. <laughs> it's going to be for forever. That's the best part about the Reds deciding they're going to suck for the next decade. That book, man, is timely. Timeless, I should say. Oh, I'm as, I have l- as little faith in the Reds going into this offseason season. Even though they competed into September this year, I keep trying to remind myself they literally played meaningful baseball in September, and that's fun. But I feel I feel the same way about them that I did during those seasons where they were we knew they were going to lose ninety games. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm kind of as like down on it as I've been in a long. I mean, other than those, yeah, those 2015, 2016, 2017 seasons. Yeah. yeah. Woo the Reds. I'm not sure I completely understand this question, but maybe it's because I'm not up to date on the last, I haven't watched the last two or three episodes of uh, of Ted Lasso. Is Nick Crawl a poorly designed android, or is he a CGI character like Roy Kent? I'm trying to decide which non-human role he's in. Do, do you understand that question? I don't follow that either. I'm, I'm, I'm one episode behind, but I unless hope- I miss something terrible, I don't know that Roy Kent is a hope we didn't give uh, a spoiler there non-player character yeah I did go see that movie with uh, with the guy Ryan Reynolds where what was this some sort of Batman or something no 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 it was uh, called free guy that was the name of it oh yeah 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 and he played a you know a non-playable character in a video game and it was a fun movie it was fine whatever it wasn't great it was fun though um Nick crawl is most certainly not Ryan Reynolds who I think is a delightful movie star. Very quick on his feet. He's quick on his feet. Um, Roy Kent. I like that character on, on the Ted Lasso. That's what, uh, that's what you need to do in the off season. Seth, watch Ted Lasso over and over. Watch the wire again. Omar coming. Sopranos. Ooh, my wife and I did just re- start our Sopranos rewatch. It's pretty good so far. Good call. I think I need to do that. Uh, let me see if I can get my wife to do that this winter. Yeah, I thought that movie's coming out, you know, so. Right. The prequel. Right. So the, the Many Saints of Newark. Exactly. So anyway, uh, I don't understand your question, but as usual, it is a unique and thoughtful question, I think. I think Nick Crawl is just not a leader who has been thrust into a position for which he's not prepared. Maybe a good, uh, you know, deputy. I don't know. But I don't think he's a leader. I don't think there's any evidence that he's a leader. I can't say that I know that. I don't see any evidence I, that he is. That's fair. And I think the other thing is he is being asked or is feeling obliged to do things that, in, in terms of defending the organization, that as we've talked about, he's just just not in his skill set. No. No. Like you, You've talked to him before. I assume he, he sounded like a normal human being when you talked to him. He did. It's just this this media relations aspect where things fall apart. Should the Reds have someone like uh, you know the the White House press uh, secretary who's taking the questions and answering those? Someone that's skilled in the art. That's right. Just stand at at a at a lectern, <laughs> yeah, and answer. Well, I mean, the questions are going to be bland anyway because they won't let me in the room to ask questions. Drop firebombs. <sighs> Joey Gaditza, good day, gentlemen. I hope it isn't the case, but if the Reds only do one thing in the offseason, what do you hope that is? And the caveat here in, in Joey's question is Bob selling the team is not an option, even though I wish that was the one thing. What's the one thing? I've got an answer here. Do you want to try to answer? Let me go ahead and say mine. 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I, I, maybe it's maybe it's more than one thing, but um, I, I want uh, Bob Castellini to make a decision that he's going to not meddle, and then go hire Theo Epstein to run the Reds and and give him carte blanche. Or heck, bring this, Dick Williams back. Well, that's worse. This but. one simple thing, <laughs> one simple trick to win the World Series. <laughs> Step one, hire Theo Epstein. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Is that that's the way the right. meme goes? I think so. Yeah. Do you have one th- what, one thing that, if they can only do one thing in the offseason, the problem is they can't just do one thing. They've got so much to do if they want to fix it, this thing. And so. Yeah, I was going to say get like trade for Shohei Otani, but I think they need more than that. <laughs> Even that, right? Yeah. Oh goodness. Um, let's see how much time we got here. We're gonna have to get out. Um, uh, Rich Thompson, as always, uh, your question is is thoughtful, well written. I love it, but as always, it's too long, uh, short, short, and pithy. Remember. Um, but he was talking. He, Rich Thompson's questions are related to T.J. Friedel's first major hit being a home run, and uh, you know, it was, it was a nice moment when Mookie Betts, you know, traded a, a, an autographed bat to. Get the fan to throw the home run ball back out. Even though I'm sure Mookie Betts had, had never heard of T.J. Friedel before this weekend. But that's cool, though, you know, because it showed that I like just the fact that, like, Mookie Betts was somehow paying attention enough to know that T.J. Friedel made his major league debut the night before. Yeah, yeah. And and Mookie Betts didn't have to do that. Mookie Betts is one of the inner circle stars in baseball. Yeah, I loved it. He could have just trotted right on back into the dugout, no problem. Yeah. No, I thought it was I thought it was absolutely fantastic that he uh, asked that fan for the ball back and then you know brought out a and, and the even better part of this story it gets even better you know Mookie Betts hands this bat to the fan up there in the uh, in the moon deck and the fan's wearing a, you know a Reds jersey and that's an exciting moment you know I, I got a bat for Mookie Betts and he did exactly what I would uh, hope that I would do he walked over to a kid wearing a Mookie Betts shirt and handed the kid the bat. Yeah, that was really cool too. It was. The whole thing was fantastic. Rich, Rich's question is: Was that the best highlight of the red season? Um, and no, I mean there have been some highlights. You know, uh, Wade Miley's no hitter. You know, Nick Castellanos flexing on the Cardinal. Well, there have been some fun times this season, but I did Joey appreciate Votto. that. Period. <laughs> Joey Votto, yeah, yeah, Joey Votto. That's probably the number one. Um, his continuing uh, uh, amazingness. Um, Oh, let's see here. What have we got left? What have I? What have I skipped? Um, Hooper Powell, Hooper Powell. In my spare time, I have indulged in movie casting, and I have a dilemma. Hooper seems to always have a dilemma. I'm casting a reboot of the Three Stooges. Who from the Reds front office shall I cast as Larry, Curly, and Mo? <laughs> reboot. <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to that, Hooper, but I like uh, imagining the the uh, Reds front offices. Larry because, Curley, like, Mo. they're like there's a they're like carrying a lot of ladders around and panes of glass in the front office these days. Right. I think Phil Phil Castellini's probably Larry, and so every time Nick Crawl says something dumb to the media, uh, you know he's uh or he's uh excuse me, he's Mo I should say he's Mo <laughs> slapping him around. Yeah, he's smacking him around a little bit and poking him in the eyes and. Um, <laughs> this is the where we are in this season in a, in, a, in a month where the Reds literally played meaningful baseball this is what we're reduced to talking to Chris talking about Nathan Connor asks hey if you were a hot dog and you were starving would you eat yourself? I would there you have it do you get that reference? uh no if 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 uh, the moon were made of green cheese, would you eat it? This was from I'm doing a terrible impression, but this is from when Will Ferrell did his impression of Harry Carey. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a hot dog, you're starving. Harry Carey would have. I'd put some mustard and relish. I'd be delicious. So go watch that on YouTube. I've been watching Norm Macdonald uh, clips on YouTube. You're reading my brain, man. That's how I wanted to end this thing. I was talking a little oh, bit sorry. about. No, no. My wife, uh, she was concerned about me when the news came down that Norm Macdonald had uh, had passed away from a nine-year battle with cancer that no one knew about. Um, and cancer can stick it, by the way. Um, and uh, because, you know, about every other month or so, I'd be sitting on the couch and just go down a Norm Macdonald rabbit hole. Because he's my favorite stand-up comedian ever. And that didn't even count the things, of, uh, you know, from, from Saturday Night Live. Um 
I feel like, though, he's not very well known for how beloved he was within the comedy world and how just kind of elite he was as a comedian. I don't understand why he wasn't the biggest comedian on earth. Thoughts? I, that's a No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, as they say, he was the, the comedian's comedian, which kind of becomes a cliche, but uh, gee whiz, he was... He was just so funny, just and so dedicated to the joke. I mean, I think I don't know if he said this or or somebody said it about him, but you know, bad bad comedians want applause, and the best ones just want the laugh. And uh, he, it was clear that's what his priority was. Yeah, yeah. Think of you know, uh, think of a guy like uh, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but a guy like Dane Cook. That's who I thought of when he, when I heard that he said that. You know, Dane Cook wanted the applause. Is he still even still around? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I heard his brother stole like millions from him, though. Oh, Which, that sucks. Yeah, it really sucks to be Dan Cook. Um, but uh, just I remember the first. I literally remember the first time I saw Norm Macdonald. It was on uh, the David Letterman show. As longtime listeners know, I'm a big David Letterman fan. That's uh, and I think I saw this week that that was literally his first television appearance. But I remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I had no idea. Um, obviously, but um, I remember him walking out there. Be- and the reason I remember it is I've never heard anyone with a delivery like that, you know, the kind of voice pattern he had. And I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Uh, and and he never stopped being funny. Then when he got it uh, Saturday Night Live, you know, just, oh, my goodness. Um, his 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 humor. Uh, you guessed it. Frank Stallone. You know, just the dumb stuff. The, the, the way he said it could make me, make me laugh. I mean, I can't think of... Uh, I mean, he's certainly the top five. I can think of I can't think of five people in uh, in my lifetime in comedy, and I've been a pretty dedicated fan of stand up comedy that I would put in that inner circle with him. I mean, who is it over the last you know thirty thirty forty years in terms of stand up comedy? I mean, you uh, you probably have to put Chappelle in there, right? Chappelle is the only one I can think of who really you know um, I know Louis had his moments for sure. Yeah, I, I probably put uh, I, most people wouldn't maybe because the longevity wasn't there. But I put Mitch Hedberg there just because I think he was just different. I mean, yeah, I mean he's certainly influential. I think. Um, I'm trying to think stand-up comedians. Seinfeld, I guess you would put in that uh, era. Yeah, yeah. Seinfeld's like the Yankees of, of right. uh, stand-up. Yeah, that's Jerry Jerry Seinfeld, by the way. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, you know, and I, I, well, another thing is, I think I think Norm Macdonald is probably the. The best, um, the best talk show host guest. Oh my goodness! Of the last twenty five years, which it's not nearly as big a deal as it was, you know, in the seventies. Right. But uh, man, he was just. I was watching that, you know, the clip of the the uh, uh, Courtney Thorne Smith <laughs> clip. If you don't know what that is, go look up Norm Macdonald, Conan O'Brien, Courtney Thorne Smith, some variation, and just watch it and just marvel. Uh, and just, you know, of course, once you've seen it once, you just are so excited waiting for it to happen. <laughs> that last moment? Oh, God. I'm just, and you, you see him and Conan both were like, it's going to happen here in a minute. And they're both just so gleeful about yeah. this stupid joke he's going to make. Well, Conan's like, oh, do something with that, you know. And then he makes the joke. And I'm not going to ruin it. Maybe I should, but I'm not going to ruin it because I can't deliver it like him. Uh, yeah. I listen to... Uh, Conan actually has a podcast, evidently, and uh, I've never listened to it except till this week. I saw that he had an episode about uh, reflecting about Norm Macdonald, and they were talking about a lot of things, but the, that particular Courtney Thorne Smith. And no, who remembers Courtney Thorne Smith these days? But um, she started a movie with Carrot Top, this much I know. And, uh, you know, they were talking about that, and, and Conan said he was the one guest. And you're right, who cares about talk show guests? But I'm glad that he was because... We have this treasure trove on YouTube now of all these appearances on, on talk shows. But but Conan says, he's the one who really made me genuinely laugh. I had to fake laugh a lot in my career as a talk show host, he said. But he, and, and you watch watch Conan in that clip when when Norm delivers that last, that last, uh, you know, punchline. And Conan's just going nuts, like the rest of us. He, he's just delighted by the whole thing. <laughs> Completely delighted. And poor Courtney Thorne-Smith, bless her heart. Oh. I mean, you sure know, she's pleasant. Well, right. You know what? Um, so, number one, I loved her work in summer school with Mark Harmon. 
as as all of us do. Yes, all of us who were fourteen at the time did. Uh, but no, I, I you know the the uh, the Bill Simmons uh, rewatchables podcast did uh, dirty jobs this week, which just purely an excuse to talk about Norm. Dirty work, I think is the name dirty of it. Right? Work, sorry, but, yeah, dirty jobs a different deal altogether. <laughs> yeah, but I need to watch pointed, that again. Yeah, well, they pointed out that um, that Courtney Thorne Smith was basically like on a regular on uh first off first off i didn't know this but she was on the norm show oh i didn't know that either at least one time yeah but uh that went for three seasons by the way the norm show and nobody remembers anything about it but she went from melrose place to ally mcbeal to according to jim for like and then she was on two and a half men apparently all shows i didn't watch but right she was like a sitcom regular for 20 years straight. Wow. So she's probably sitting on a lot of cash right now. She has got to be, yeah, just r- rich enough to buy a vegetable company. <laughs> and perhaps purchase a, a team. We should work on that. We should. You, you, your billboard campaign might be, you know, have better luck if it's like Courtney by the team. <laughs> Courtney by the, t- by the Reds. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm sorry we diverted there. I did want to talk mention Norm McDonald because along with you, know, I talked about Letterman a lot, but Norm McDonald really shaped uh, as I was uh, you know, kind of getting into comedy. Really shaped my personal sense of humor, or at least he fit my personal sense of humor. And uh, if if you don't really know Norm McDonald, go down that rabbit hole on on YouTube. I promise you, you won't regret it. Well, the, the, the actual last question I wanted to ask was: um, since we are uh, giving up the podcast at the end of the season. What should should we transition to a different type of podcast? And if so, what should our podcast? What should the the subject of the podcast be? That's a good question. Now, the, the interesting thing would be for you to find a topic where you can continue to have the same guests, the same roster, oh, right. of guest hosts. So it's got to be something that uh, your brother and Bill and Jason Linden and I all have in common. <laughs> The Reds is really a, the only thing. It's a great. I think it's a great <laughs> idea. Or maybe what you should do is just pick. Like for a month, once a month, the topic is going to be like this month it's movies and then next month it's basketball. And then after that, it's politics. And you basically just completely alienate everyone who ever listened to the show. <laughs> just drive the numbers down slowly, but inevitably. And so that we can move the podcast to Miami. That's right. Or That's something. Right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 what? Go ahead. No, that that was also the plot on first season of Ted Lasso. But now that I think about it, she didn't have an end game, did she? she I don't think so. She, well, she was trying to get back at her ex-husband. Yeah, just spite, right? It wasn't like, I want to move the team. It's kind of... Yeah, he loves pretty, this team, and so I'm going to ruin it. Yeah, it wasn't like, I'm going to move the team to Miami, and I need to do this first. It was just like, it's going to make it bad. Yeah, because it hurts my ex-husband who hurt me. I wonder... And as you know, I presided over a lot of divorce cases as, as judge, and I, I can tell you that it rang true. Yeah, that's fair. Do we do, do we know that everyone in the the Cincinnati Reds organization is still happily married? <laughs> Not gonna. I, I can't. I can speculate on that topic. It's an interesting <laughs> question. We might need to. Uh, do is there some a, is there an research. ex somewhere who's a really really big fan? <laughs> and Gasoline's r- driving them into the ground to spite them. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, everyone. Everyone's doing their best. And they're trying hard. Well, uh, that, that's enough for this week. I, I wasn't intending to drop any news there. I've not made a decision to uh, stop the podcast at the end of the season. But if I did, we now have some ideas about uh, how to transition to a different different topic. I don't know. You know, I watched the, uh, the first Bengals game. I watched part of the second one. I, maybe maybe we just need to do talk about the Bengals. They're... Football podcast. Yeah. That Sopranos rewatch. You and your wife Ooh. could uh, chat about each episode. No, she would never appear on podcasts with me. She barely appears in public with me. <laughs> she barely appears on the couch with you to watch the show. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of this podcast recommendation, which I like to throw in every now and then, there is a uh, Sopranos podcast with, uh, let get the title of it here real quick. Really? I need to subscribe to this. Uh, Talking Sopranos. It's Michael Imperioli and uh, uh, Steve Shrippa, who played uh, Christopher and Bobby Bacala, mm-hmm. respectively. And they talk through uh, every episode. Oh, so they go episode by, by episode? Yep, they're up to 78 episodes right now. Well, that's uh, I haven't listened to all of them, but uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, they they started doing it during uh, the quarantine and everything, and they uh, 
tell stories from the episode. They have guests on, you know, just what you what you'd hope for. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I need to check that out because uh, that would be fun to listen to, you know, episode by episode as we do the rewatch. Although now, since, uh, you know, uh, Michael uh, Williams died, famously Omar uh, Little from uh, The Wire, uh, we're thinking about transitioning to a Wire rewatch. So I don't know what we'll do, but. Um, well, they're both there for you. They are. But I'll have to listen to that podcast. Good recommendation. All right. I know we completely went off topic here at the end. It went off the rails. Two things to say about that. Number one, guaranteed. every time Chris and I get together, it goes off the rails. So you shouldn't expect anything less. And the second thing is, you know, we ran it and raved for a little while and we just wanted to laugh a little bit. The Reds are going to stink in the near future. I wish that weren't the case, but I don't know. We'll try to make as much fun of it as we can. Uh, that's my that's my pledge, I guess. Any final thoughts, Chris? No. You know, it's just baseball. Um, nobody makes you watch it. And, uh, you know, if it's not making you happen anymore, you're free to uh, do something else. Or, as I choose to, I like to live in the past when things were better. So I read books and watch shows and uh, clips of old Reds games when they were more fun. Including books, including the Big 50. The many moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. Yes. Um, Sell the Reds, Bob. Sell the Reds. For... Chris Garber and Freddie Boom Boom Barnes. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.